0: Coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce.
1: If you're gonna go to someone and uh, and, and want to work with them or something, you better be ready.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and what I mean, be be ready, understand the lingo. Understand how to put a deal together. Don't be stumped when they mentioned I.O. They say, mm-hmm. oh yeah, well, we could probably do a five-year I.O. You better know what I.O. means. And I'm not saying it to be a mean guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be a mean guy on on, on the show here. I'm, I'm being very realistic. It's one thing I learned in New York City is that when they come at you, you better come at you better go hard and you better know what you're talking about. because if you don't, they will disqualify you immediately and the doors close, you never talk to those people ever again.
0: Mm-hmm. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Past the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Augustino Pintas, who is a local Cleveland multifamily real estate investor. I first met Augustino probably about two years ago or so when I wanted to get involved in multifamily real estate investing. And this is actually something that you should always do, no matter what you're trying to get involved in, is, is reach out to others that are already doing it. Augustino does a great job Of putting together a number of different networking events. Right now, he has a bulletproof cash flow investor networking event that he runs. And that's basically how I originally met him. He, I reached out to him and asked if he would meet for coffee. We met at a Starbucks and uh, we started talking about the local economy and he gave me some tips and, you know, what to look out for and what not to look out for. And again, I was very, very new at the time. So some of his advice was, was very, very, very good. Uh, Augustino, what I really enjoy about this episode is that he likes to focus on the mindset and making sure that you have the correct mindset going into these different opportunities. And again, this is valuable for any part of life. If you have any type of negative thoughts or emotions that are going into these new opportunities, there's a very, very good chance that you're going to fail it. So What Augustino really likes to focus in on is making sure that your mind is right when you're going in and trying to accomplish whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. And in his and our case, you know, obviously we are looking to take down large multifamily investment opportunities. So, Augustino, he's a great, great resource for all things multifamily investment. Orientated, and this is a great, great episode with a lot of valuable nuggets in it. So I hope that you enjoy Augustino's episode on "Pass the Secret Sauce."
1: It's funny because I I grew up to to Italian immigrants, right? So I'm Italian. My my background's Italian, and my parents are right from Italy. So. Oftentimes, uh, my father, my father were, my, was a laborer. My mother was also worked in a factory. So we didn't grow up. We grew up very humble beginnings. And uh, so usually it was my mother cooking every time, every every day, cooking for the family, right? And uh, my father would always come home, sit in the exact same place, at the head of the table. And before dinner, there would be the pre-dinner, the pre-dinner dinner, right? So the pre-dinner dinner would consist of prosciutto, mortadella, uh, provolone, all this cheese, and all this other stuff that no one should be eating. Yet, you're having four sandwiches before dinner shows up.
0: That's great.
1: <laughs> so, so yeah, it, 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 like any Italian like an Italian family, it's all centered around food. There's a lot of food in, in the Italian uh, culture. So. Yeah, for the most part, it was always very busy with eating a lot of food.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. What, what's a favorite? Do you do you remember? Uh, still have favorites that were um, you know, instilled in you growing up?
1: Wow, you know, what? Uh, as a kid, I, I would eat the. the so we would get these these Italian rolls, right, right from Erie Street, right, from, right near where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And we would have we'd always slice it up and, and we'd put provolone and different and different cheeses, like two or three different cheeses in there. And I used to love that. They used to be my favorite thing. That was my favorite thing—the fresh bread, soft bread. Oh my god, it was like yeah. heaven. <laughs> now, now, is this
0: here in Cleveland, or is this? Uh, no, is this, this is in else? Windsor. This is okay. in Windsor, okay, in Windsor, okay.
1: Ontario, Canada, where I was, where I was born and raised. Yeah,
0: very yeah. cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, so, talk a little bit about your your childhood. Did you? Were you the the kid that had entrepreneurial tendencies? You know, growing up, were you? you know, selling candy or anything like that, or, you know, side job type things, or what What was your, your
1: Yeah, goal? yeah, you can say this. So I was the first born of three. And so the the thing about being raised to Italian immigrants is that usually the first generations, they usually become entrepreneurs, right? So I'm, I'm the only one of the three of us that actually went that route. But it all did start from when I was a when I was a child. I, I was the first one to have the The lemonade stand, first and only of the three of us to have the lemonade stand. I was trying to find different ways to hustle. I had the the paper route, all that stuff. But it wasn't until I discovered computers when I was maybe eight or nine years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still remember sitting there and, they, and they, someone rolled in a, a Commodore pet, which most of your listeners won't even know mm. what that is. I don't know what that is. Right. It's it's an old Commodore. You remember the Commodore 64? That's what I had. Yeah. I remember yeah, the 64. It's older. it's older than that. Okay. It's two generations <laughs> older than that. Wow. <laughs> it's super old and uh but as soon as i laid eyes on it i saw that the computer with the green screen and a keyboard I, mm-hmm. I fell in love i'm like i got to learn everything i can about that that machine and that's exactly what i did i i i studied everything i could i watched the tv shows back then it was all on tv there was no internet and i was committed to learning everything i could about computers and i was going to own my own computer company that's what i was going to do mm-hmm. and that that is how it's going to be and unfortunately when you grow up to, uh, to conservative Italian immigrants, they are often often afraid of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. right They are not big fans of entrepreneurship because to them entrepreneur- entrepreneurship is is risky mm-hmm. right and in fact, it is not risky I mean it comes everything comes to a level of risk, but to me, having experienced both corporate America and the, the world of entrepreneurship, there are risks in both. But I would rather choose my own direction in life any day of the week before turning it over to some some corporate guy who doesn't care anything about me or my family. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I don't completely know. Agree. That's just me. Yeah,
0: completely, completely agree. Yeah. So so you you learned everything you could about computers. Did, is that what you studied in school? Did you did you go to college and do that yeah, whole route yeah, as so- well?
1: Yeah, so what I did was I, in in grade school, I was already starting to code by the time I was, uh, God, by the time I was 10 or 11 years old. I was already writing basic. I was already doing all that. I learned, as I said, everything I could. And I even created my own little company, Triple Arrow Softworks. It's my ode (laughs) to Triple Arrow Softworks right there. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) And I created that company when I was like 11 or 12. I, I came with a logo and everything. Uh, and I did, I did publish one game at 12 years old, Wow! but I don't want to digress too far, but this is why the importance of mentors were very, was very important. Cause I think if back then I was say raised in a place like Silicon Valley or a place where there was a hub for tech, mm-hmm. as opposed to a little town in Canada, my life would have probably been very different regardless for anybody listening. If your child has, uh, has a knack for tech or something else like that, get them around the right people so they can learn everything they could about it. But Anyway, so what I ended up doing was going to college, going to going to school for engineering, computer, computer engineering, or rather electrical engineering, electrical engineering technology, that kind of thing. And just went to the world of, of, of tech, basically, mm-hmm. you know? And I was quite successful, did okay. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think that the, the entrepreneurial tendencies really showed well when you're operating at the, the C, CIO level, right? Mm-hmm. Because the expectation from the CEO and the CFO and the rest of the C-level team is that they want to have an entrepreneur lead that group. They don't mm-hmm. want to have to micromanage it. So in that sense, being an entrepreneur was very helpful. But the journey from graduation of of, <laughs> of school to landing that f- finally good job was was rather bumpy because throughout that journey, I was a there's a lot of crappy companies out there mm-hmm. a lot of, there's more crappy companies than there are good companies and, and bad places to work than there are good places to work unfortunately and I think I found every single one of them because <laughs> <laughs> no matter what it, either either the company was underfunded, they were not profitable, mm-hmm. it was just a terrible place to be crappy bosses I, I, can, I can devote a, I can devote two podcasts easily on how not to run a company based on these 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 uh, these bosses and it would be totally entertaining i swear your your audience <laughs> would be laughing and then and, and then dropping jaws in disbelief i'm telling you yeah. it's insane but anyway uh at that company i ended up doing quite well but I, I committed to to that company everything i was working like a maniac for these guys mm-hmm. but you know like like and i also discovered real estate at that same time too i was still in my early 30s when i was doing that and um, so I figured I'm gonna, I'll do something with real estate, but the motivation to do real estate was not because I wanted to build wealth or build a legacy or to do any of the reasons why I'm doing it today. Back then, the motivation was if, if I get fired, I need to have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was the whole motivation, which, mm-hmm. is, so, which is totally messed up.
0: Yeah, it came from fear rather than-
1: exactly yeah. and and I, I think that for many people that are living the the corporate uh the 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 forty hour nine to five scenario they they live like that i mean, I, can't, I can't be the only one out there mm-hmm. you know i can't be I'm sure there's other people that feel the same way you know and and lo and behold, I mean, I was very successful at this company. I helped them go public. I created technology that was unheard of in the industry The, the things that, that had never been seen before because I, I was not an industry guy. I came from manufacturing mm-hmm. not not financial services like this company was and then one day the the, the boss comes to my office with a box, pack up your crap you 're done get out that 's it wow. and uh, you know I gave up years of my life for these for these guys and they did it to me they did it to a bunch of other of us other senior executives that have been with the company some of them have been there since the beginning since like mm-hmm. the very beginning just handing in the box home to get lost and yeah it's it, it doesn't matter who you are and and as i said this is this was supposedly a good company and i'm sure they're they're still i'm sure they're they're fine i i I've, listen where i'm at right now i have no hard feelings at all i i, I would rather be doing what i'm doing today than being back at that place, I'll tell you Absolutely. that 120%. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, that's great. Can you, can you talk a little bit about you know, you you were doing, you were working your job and you started looking at real estate. What were some of the things that were going through your mind? Obviously, you said you wanted to supplement, you know, your your income and use it as a fallback, but what were some of those first things that you were looking at? Did you start out in houses? Were you going right into multifamily right away? You know, what were some of those initial thoughts that you were exploring at that point? Well,
1: back then it was all single family. I I didn't even know, well, multifamily in the sense of, you know, duplexes and fourplexes was probably the extent of it. You know, I didn't even know owning a building was a thing. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. If I would have known then, my life would have been totally different. But a friend of mine who was um, the chief operating officer, he told me about buying houses and at that point we'd just gone public we're sitting on mountains of cash and i'm like okay why not i mean if that was that was a decision why not yeah <laughs> that yeah. was it <laughs> so not much thought went into it uh, but he lined me up with his broker and she she helped guide me so to speak on on some of these deals although the broker has her own self-interest mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. you know i bought obviously bought all the deals from her and i paid uh, either retail or close to it which again didn't know i didn't know any of this stuff there i didn't study no no carlton sheets or anything else like that i didn't even know there was such a thing i knew nothing i knew nothing about nothing right i was following what my, what my friend was doing he was buying houses at retail and renting them out you know how however i was very careful with how i applied uh, how, how i applied the right financing and i made sure there's still enough margin and and i also i it's, it's funny cuz i apply the same sort of rules even to this very day i still apply the same sort of rules you know fixed fixed mortgages uh knowing exactly how much is coming in versus how much is covering the mortgage and all the expenses things like that but i, I kind of learned that on my own back then mm-hmm. and uh but i tried to find as many single family houses as i could mm-hmm. as many as i could you know and it was yeah it was it was a lot of fun and I think that back, looking back on it now, what I didn't do is I should have spoken to more brokers. I should have I should have done multifamily, but I was I didn't know as I said that that was a thing. It was I was looking at gas stations. I was looking at oh, all wow. kinds of you're getting I was looking at all everything. kinds of different businesses. Because if I'd have known about multifamily back then, then then it would have been an easy thing. I mean. Back then, we we all, like the, the whole management team, we had tons of money. So it's like, oh, buy a gas station. Oh, well, you have to put $200,000 down. Pff, no problem. Let's go. You know, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it, mm-hmm. when it was not a thing. I didn't know about syndication, raising money, any of that stuff. Wasn't even, didn't even register. And I think even if it did register, I don't know that I would have the 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 wherewithal to even put a deal together like mm-hmm. I do today, mm-hmm. Right. So that's the thing. It's like, cause it, was, it wasn't in my purview I wasn't even thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: No, that's great. So, so you, uh, you, you had all of these different opportunities that you're bringing together. At what point did you start making the connection to multifamily and, and that that makes more sense? Uh, did, can you talk a little bit about that journey?
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, it was actually many years later. So mm-hmm. after, after I left that company, I, you know, you've know, really got to be careful with what people tell you. And uh, the when, when you're working for a company and you have a lot of success and everybody, like you you walk down the hall giving you high fives and everybody's loving on you, right? Kind of like, and then, then they tell you how great you are, kind of let it define you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden one day, here's the box. Get out of here. You're done. You're a piece of crap. You really have to watch what you let into your head. Mm-hmm. And I really let it get to me. And it really set me on, 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 a, on a path of um, a really, a really bad path, I should say. Like, it was, I was floating around from job to job to job without any focus, without any why. There was like, it was just like, just floating around. And I, you know, and as I pointed out earlier, there's a lot of crappy companies out there. And I ended up at a lot of crappy companies mm-hmm. even afterwards. And I was just trying to find anywhere that would pay me a salary. Mm-hmm. That's all I was looking for. And because of that, I would just go from job to job to job. Uh, I I lived in so many different places. It wasn't even funny, man. It was nuts. I I lived in Florida. I lived in New York City. I lived in Buffalo. I lived in Baltimore. I lived in, God, it was terrible. I mean, it was an experience. It was an experience. I I shouldn't say it's terrible from the standpoint. I think it's terrible from the the standpoint of it was a waste of time. Yeah. Right? The time is the one thing that we're never, never, never going to get back. And and, uh, every minute that's wasted, is another one you'll, you'll never ever ever be able to reproduce right so it's very important you spend it doing the right things and i wasn't you know mm-hmm. i didn't have the right, i wasn't surrounded by the right people i wasn't taking in the right knowledge i wasn't doing what needed to be done to build success many years later uh, i ended up working at a, at, at, a, at a pretty good company actually and I, when i was working and living in new york i met up with this guy he was running a company in indianapolis he asked me to come on board as his cio so i did and we had a good run. It was I was able to take this company, turn it around. I and mean, he he was largely out of town. He was either operating out of New York or, or just you know doing sales basically. Mm-hmm. And I was running running the business through technology and was able to stabilize the environment. Things were going great until one day, the equity firm that owns the company and the CEO that hired me have a falling out. Uh-huh. So what does he do? He bounces new guy comes in, new guy doesn't like me. And you know, the rest of the story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Guess who gets the box again. Yeah. Right. So, so here I am in my forties. Right. And uh, I'm in Indianapolis. I, uh, I just meet my, uh, I, I just met, I just literally just met a girl the, the, the day before and who's now my wife, but I met her and they said, well, we're on a second date. Hey, listen, I'm, <laughs> um, I'm out of here. I'm going to be leaving in a couple of weeks or whatever. I'm going to Michigan, selling off all my houses, going to Virginia, selling everything. I'm selling it all. Yeah. He's like, well, what are you going to do? I go, I'm not sure yet. So you're welcome to come along if you want. And she says, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she does. That's <laughs> she does. fantastic. That's and great. She <laughs> yeah, she does. So, so what happened is is that I, I, I knew I was going to do something in real estate. Mm-hmm but I wasn't focused on it yet. I wasn't prepared. I didn't have that mental shift yet, but I did know one thing I did know was that I had to do something on my own. I was not cut out to hand my time. The only, the only thing I have left it, it, over to someone else that doesn't give a crap about me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Or my family. Right. And cause you only get once around the ride on this one. Mm -hmm. anyone listening, you you only get one shot. This is it. You can, if you want, you can believe what happens in the afterlife and all that stuff. That's super. You like, I don't know what happens in the afterlife, but I do know this, in this current reality that you're living right now, there's only one shot. That's all I know. And I decided that that's what I was going to do. I was going to do something. So I knew that throughout the turmoil that was going on in my life, that 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 small real estate portfolio that I had left because I sold off. So a lot of it, it was still making a little bit of money. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to do something in real estate. That's all I do is something, mm-hmm. something in real estate. And I was talking to a friend of mine, a real estate attorney, and I just happened to be looking. I had the phone to my ear. I'm looking out the window and I see a building. like a, Maybe it might have been I don't know, a 28-unit building or something like that. And I asked him, I go, who, who owns that? He goes, what do you mean who owns it? I go, like, who owns the building? Like, does a bank own it? Like, does the government own it? Who owns
0: mm-hmm.
1: it? <laughs> he like, what do you mean? People own it. And I go, what do you mean people? What people? How do they buy it? Syndication. He explains to me the, the art of raising money, the art of of syndicating a deal. He was a real estate attorney, right? And I'm like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. I will do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, was, I was in Virginia when all this happened. And I decided, you know what? I'm selling everything. I literally loaded everything I had left in my truck with my girlfriend at the time. And we drove to Ohio and decided Ohio is going to be the place we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. I took on a consulting role, my very last consulting role, and I made a promise to her. I said, you know what? This is going to be the last job I ever have. I'm never working for someone else ever again. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been like that ever since. You That's know, fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so, it, it's been quite a journey. It's been quite a journey. But I, I will say that it, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy. There could have been a, a lot more shortcuts I could have taken Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have, I, I did have virtual mentors and, in, and, in, in, you know, in books and things like that. But I think that if I had a more purposeful mentor and, and a coach, which I did have in, in Virginia, by the way, I did have a coach when all that stuff was happening those discussions. Uh, uh, I did get a, a personal coach and he was able to help in some way provide some clarity, but having and surrounding yourself with those people, made all the difference and mm-hmm. that's what it was if i would have done that earlier on it would have saved me a whole ton of time like a ton of time
0: yeah so that so that would have been your shortcut that you're talking yeah. about is is reach out to more mentors sooner at
1: yeah that point. yeah yeah but you know what though it's but it's a double as sword right i mean i'll get people that reach out to me sometimes and they're they have not done the work yet they're not prepared mm-hmm. to be talking yet you mm-hmm. know they really have to if you're going to go to someone and uh, and and want to work with them or something, you better be ready.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and what I mean, be be ready, understand the lingo, understand how to put a deal together. Don't be stumped when they mentioned IO. They say, mm-hmm. oh yeah, well, we could probably do a five-year IO. You better know what IO means. And I'm not saying it to be a mean guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be a mean guy on, on, on the show here. I'm, I'm being very realistic. It's one thing I learned in New York City is that when they come at you, you better, come at, you better go hard and you better know what you're talking about. Because if you don't, they will disqualify you immediately and the doors close. You'll never talk to those people ever again. Mm-hmm. New Yorkers are, are still tough in that way. Mm-hmm. And I learned that. I learned that there. And it still stayed with me. Even to this very day, I still, I'm still very much <laughs> the same way. It's, and, but it serves me well. I, I, won't, I won't go into a deal half-cocked. I, I, I know mm-hmm. what's going on all the time. Yeah, and, and anybody reaching out to mentors or, or anything else like that, you better know your stuff. You Got to know your stuff.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So, so can you talk a little bit about thinking about the first deal that you underwrote and the first deal that you said, "Yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this down." Where did you Where did you get your your learnings from? I mean, were you were you just figuring it out as you go? You know, you mentioned that you had some books that you that you consumed but what was your process for evaluating you know that first deal and you know yes this is a go we're going to go after this one
1: so there was, it's funny it's funny this is a funny story so yeah there's a lot of books i consumed robert the are suspects robert kiyosaki and and i also did some stuff with sam zell and and others which teach you the more strategic side of things not so much the tactical mm-hmm. side you know so back then it was all A lot of podcasts, just listening to people describe how they put deals together, right? And so I started analyzing deals on my own. And I was analyzing maybe 150 to 200 deals a week, Mm. a week. And I was looking at deals out of my market, inside my market, anywhere, right? I would Mm -hmm. just go to LoopNet and just start pulling down a deal, run the numbers. This deal doesn't work as, you know, should be no surprise if anybody's on LoopNet. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) but what what is a number that would work right i mean i started practicing i would make the phone calls i would call the broker mm-hmm. and get to know them call the brokers outside of my uh, outside of my area and you know maybe call a broker in california i would never buy anything in california i think that's it's ridiculous mm-hmm. but i would call them and practice you know mm-hmm. i was doing stuff like that you know i was doing the stuff that nobody would, would ever want to do because they they're afraid of getting embarrassed i didn't care yeah i i, wanted, I, I was committed to learning this business. And then one day I did have, like, I was practicing my numbers. I had LoopNet up, and there's a deal uh, in, in Canton, Ohio. And my, so this is my first big deal, right? And it's funny because a big deal to me is not the same as it was back then. Now, back then it was a one point, they're asking prices $1.65 mm-hmm. which today is like tiny, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't that long ago either. And my, my property manager was who's managing a small de- some small deals for me he was he was running this deal and he said i said hey, hey gary what's going on with this deal here you have it, it's on loop now. he goes I just fell out of contract 2 hours ago i said really what's the bottom line number he says 1465 1.4 million basically right and i said send over a psa i'll sign it right now Mm-hmm. I don't recommend your listeners do any of this stuff, (laughs) (laughs) right? But I did it. That's how I did it. So he sends over a PSA. I sign it. I send it back, and I'm like, okay, I gotta find. I gotta find. Now I gotta find the money for all this. (laughs) Now, fortunately, I already had. I had an idea as to where I was gonna get the the lender from. Uh, I had enough money for earnest and, and and inspections and things like that. So, but I still have to find the, 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 the actual uh, equity. So I, I got, I hit the phones. Mm-hmm. I made one phone call and she just hung up on me, which was mm-hmm. somewhat surprising. I thought she was very, very nice. I made the second phone call, explained the deal, pitched it to her. She's like, I'm in, let's
2: roll. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today.
1: And that's it. The cl- wow. I mean that that was the deal right so i mean that deal did have a lot of issues i'm not going to say it was easy uh it wasn't it was not an easy deal right it had some, it had had some issues mostly because we we picked well, she, we used her lender instead of my lender i think my lender would have pulled it off at a better rate you know whatever water under the bridge at this point but having having your good lender having a good team in in place would have made all the difference in the world right mm-hmm. that's 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 what it is right but anyway, yeah i mean that's that's how we did it again I, I don't i don't recommend anyone do that to do it that way unless you're a super super high action based person and knows how to pull stuff off like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't recommend that don't do that
0: <laughs> so so you meant you mentioned your team that you were building can you talk a little bit about how you scaled your team out? Who was the first person that you really brought on? I mean, obviously there's a relationship with brokers that you're constantly evolving and whatnot, but but you know, who else did you include in your your early team that has helped you along the way?
1: Sure. You know, most people are surprised the that the first person that I brought on was a property manager. Mm-hmm. Right? The property manager, a good property manager, they they know where the deals are. They typically know who the brokers are because they're usually dealing with them on a regular basis because they're buying and selling properties all the time. And they can get you introductions with those people, right? Mm-hmm. And, but then uh, after that, it's, it's, it's about networking with brokers. And whenever I'd reach out to brokers, I would usually by, by email and then a phone call. I would do both, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because brokers are busy. They're busy people. They're not sitting around waiting for some newbies phone call. They're just mm-hmm. not, all right? And, but then when they do call you back, because you leave the right script and you say the right thing to get their attention, then the the it's funny, the very first question I'll ask you is, who's your property manager? And you better have a good answer. Mm-hmm. If you go with, you know, Joe Schmo that was in business six months, chances are they'll laugh at you and hang up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So the, my property management company who I still do business with this very day they they've been in business they've been in this market for over 30 years you know so everyone knows who they are mm-hmm. right and uh, that's that's huge that is absolutely huge and then they'll ask you about your lender so that's and that was my third one is is a lender so your 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 broker your lender broker is is a big big part of the team as well right so Back then, I had had one group, and uh, I have a different group now. And and different lender groups, are are, they do different things, Mm -hmm. right? Different lenders do different things, and even the brokers do different things. They specialize in in various asset classes. So that's why it's like you must have a, a variety of different lender brokers, stay in communication with them at all times, reach out to them, uh, send them a card you know, <laughs> on their birthday mm-hmm. or something or let them know that you're still alive mm-hmm. because you never know when you might need them. There's going to be some crazy deal with, with a lot of hair on it, but you have to take it and turn it around. Maybe it's not a deal for, for Marcus and Milichap or Meridian, but it's a good deal for for, for your your friend in, in New York that mm-hmm. actually has the capital to pull it off. right? And, and that's the thing. Not all deals are, are structured this way. right? So it just depends. But anyway, building those relationships are absolutely key. Those are the the three that I started off with anyway. But yeah, then of course you have your attorney, your CPA, all those guys right afterwards. But those are the ones I started off with. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you have any tips? You mentioned a a good property manager. And again, I I agree. Property managers, you want to find a good one to actually manage your property, but then they have all the other connections as well. Do you have any insight into choosing a good property management company that you could- uh, is that there, there is a lot. <laughs> there is a lot of property management companies out there, obviously. So you know, any any advice on going through and trying to weed out the the, the ones that uh, wouldn't necessarily be great working with?
1: Oh, oh boy, that's a loaded question. Right? <laughs> and I think you chuckle too, for the same reason. We mm. know that most property managers are they have a reputation of not being good. And uh, it's a level of suck that you want to put up with. Am, is that, am I right? That, that's absolutely true. That's very, very <laughs> how, true. How, how much suck do you want to have in your life? That's that's basically it. But but it's funny because there's there's so many there's so many guys that even students that I've worked with even before they started working with me and they're wondering why their property manager is not watching their sixplex close enough. I'm like, because it's a sixplex. That's why it's, they don't care about your sixplex, right? They won't, they won't care about your sixplex they will, the, the way they'll care about my my 200 unit right down the street from your sixplex. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, right? You know, property, property managers are, there's, there's so many that go in and out. Part of it is longevity. You don't want to go with anybody that's too big because they're, they're, if they're so big, they, won't, they just won't keep an eye on your stuff. And if they're too small, then chances are they're probably super terrible. They, you, know what, you just don't want to do business with them there's that. There's also the specialization of the property manager, right? So first you have to understand what they're about. And if, for instance, there's some property management groups here in Cleveland anyway, that only do A-class assets, you should not be calling them to manage your C-class asset in downtown, you know, downtown Akron. Mm -hmm. Why would you do that, right? So doing, as an owner, doing the research to match up, the right property manager with the right asset but then understanding what what reports do they have how do they have simple things like can i log into a site and see what, where, where the payments are at you'd be surprised how many property managers don't even have the basics like that because they don't want to fork over the money for app folio mm-hmm. or, or anything else like that or they have some some crappy homegrown system and i'm a, and i'm an it guy i know you are too mm-hmm. developing that type of technology is it's it's not easy. It's mm-hmm. doable, but if you're if you're gonna develop your own in-house stuff, it better be good. Mm-hmm. It better be good. And if it's not, then we're gonna have a problem, right? Anyway, having access to the reports, uh, getting the references is also a big deal as well. Getting those references and getting understanding of the reputation of that that property manager as well. But I mean, there's been property managers that my some some friends have worked with again, it was a small deal, the property manager, they literally sent someone over there. And then they left the door wide open on a vacant unit and just left and he just happened to be driving by and he saw it there. And he's like, what's going on here? They just left it. Wow. You know, it's carelessness, carelessness. So plenty of those guys are out there, right? So it's really of a, a, a keeping a close eye on them. And I think part of it is it's the same thing as hiring employees, hire fast, fire fast. Mm-hmm. You know, if they suck, get rid of them quickly. Don't, don't hang on to them, get mm-hmm. rid of them. You know, that's, that's the hard part. It's just finding a good one though. That's, yep. that's, <laughs> that's yeah, t- That's the toughest part. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Can you, can you give some advice? You, again, you've obviously done quite a few different projects now. Can you give some advice on raising money and how to find people that potentially could be interested in, you know, in an opportunity and, you know, again this is again a very much a relationship based so this is something that you know normally happens over a period of time but mm-hmm. but can you talk a little bit about your process that you use to i guess identify outreach and convert that person into a investor
1: yeah yeah well i mean part here's the thing it all starts way 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 before you actually have a deal so when you're not looking at deals and you're not and you're not looking at numbers and you're not networking with people or networking with other other entrepreneurs you are raising money all the time that is what you're doing you're going to other types of events you're trying to find people that might be interested and it's a very very long sales cycle long sales cycle right you really have to determine what type of ass? If they're even if they're even interested in investing, period. Mm-hmm. Right? I have, I have a friend of mine. He's he's got money. He wants to invest in real estate. He thinks he thinks real estate is too risky, so he invests in wow. penny stocks. Wow. <laughs> I, I swear to God, that's what he does. Yeah. Uh, whatever you know, but that's okay. Different strokes different folks, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, it's it, it takes a very very long time to do that. So unlike some of the other people that might be listening and, and, you know, there's other gurus saying, Oh yeah, you just find a deal and just partner up with somebody easy as that. No, 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 no. <laughs> you could maybe, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not going to say a flat. No, I shouldn't say flat. No, but it, it all, it all comes down to setting up those relationships early on. And, and part of what we do is we set up those relationships early on. We, we manage all of our contacts and our CRM. We, we, we track, how many times we're calling on them. We get, we, we do that. Part of it is for us. Part of it is also for compliance as well with the SEC. Mm-hmm. And really we try to get an understand as to what is important to them. What do they want? Because for some people, they love multifamily and we have multifamily deals, right? We have, we're getting into new construction now. We're also doing, we're going to be start getting into triple net leases as well. Triple net leases are super, super boring. However, they throw off very, very predictable cash every single month. It's a monthly distribution because it's predictable, right? So if someone's interested in doing some multifamily, like they love doing value-add multifamily because they understand that maybe they won't get that the same consistent hit every quarter, but they know when, when they do a refi you know, in three years, they're gonna get a big, a big bump. They don't care about triple net. They want to do a multifamily value-add. Mm-hmm. And you have to find the right deals to match up with those investors, right? Mm-hmm. And anyway, so part of what we do is we, we, we dress the part, of course. We go and meet with them. We understand what they're about. We understand what they want. We track all that. We maintain communication with them, right? We put them into our database and we say, hey, we're working on this deal. Just let you know. It's kind of like you're maintaining, you're staying at the top of their mind. Mm-hmm. So in one day, you actually do have a deal that fits what they're looking for you can then say, pitch them, pitch them a deal, right? Say, hey, look, here's a deal we have right now. It's over in West Cleveland. It's, it's 200 units. Here's the expected return. Here's the cash on cash. Here's the IRR. If you're interested, go ahead, hit the portal. If you want to get on a phone call, yada, yada, yada. Then, we, then of course, we might do a webinar, get people on a webinar, show them the asset, show them what the upside is, why it's a great deal. And typically that works wonders, you know? Mm-hmm. Usually it works wonders. During a pandemic, it's a little tougher. Mm -hmm. For when you're trying to do a fifteen million dollar raise, it's a little harder. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it still works. It still works regardless. It still works regardless. Yeah.
0: Yes. So so, uh, you're going through the the this process right now where you're raising funds for a project, and we are kind of on the back end of of the uh, pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about what you've seen that's different now, changed? Uh, Are you changing your approach strategy at all to, you know, the current market conditions. You can talk a little bit about that.
1: I mean, I think the change, the changes that we're making on our side have really to do with the amount of money that has to get raised. Right. So when, for instance, we're working on a deal right now, it's a small deal. And I think the raise is only going to be, I don't know, $900,000 or something like that. It's just, as I said, small deal. And now the lender is asking for like six months of I.O. And so that means super. So we have to overraise basically to cover that six months of I.O.,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
1: The rates are still good. We really have to be careful about who we align with. Everyone should always be careful about the lenders they align with. I mean, I'm lining up with, with a great lender who have done other deals with in the past. And the reason why I do that is because you don't want to get left at the altar. You know, and we spoke about that in the green room before Mm -hmm. is that the last thing you want to do is connect with someone on LinkedIn, which I get all the time. Hey, you have any deals to send our way? No, I don't. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I'm only going to work with people that I know can close a deal. It includes a lender broker Mm because listen, you may raise all the money. Your credit might be fine. Your partners might be fine. But for whatever reason, the lender just doesn't want to perform. That happens, mm-hmm. and no one knows why <laughs> at least mm-hmm. at least i 'm not going to tell you anyway and that 's why having a track record with that with that lender and with that with that broker is is absolutely key, yeah, but anyway, I think that that the capital markets' they're, they're currently going crazy right now, even now they're still it's still tough to to for some people to get financing, but if you can get it it's 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 really really good you can, you, you can find some really good rates out there for people that are trying to do smaller deals which were which we're not doing when i say smaller deals less than a million uh you might be best served looking at a local at a, at a credit union or, or a local bank not a local branch but a local bank to that building if you do that you'll have a better chance of closing the deal because if the if the lender likes like say for instance you're doing something in i don't know i'll use west cleveland again and doing maybe a 100 unit apartment building for 3 million dollars or something like that maybe there's a credit union right nearby and they they might like the area you can you can approach them maybe use them as a backup i always say use a broker pay the extra point whatever it is doesn't matter pay a broker it's their job to find you the best price right but if you're if you're not into doing that, try to find one that's that's local to the asset itself. That's another little quick tip there for anybody who's doing deals out there.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. The the triple net leases. What what has drawn you to that? You know, to that. Uh, obviously, I know that it, it throws off cash. I guess talk a little bit about what types of assets that would be and what your what the appeal is uh, yeah. to that.
1: No, the, the the good thing about triple net leases is that it throws off consistent cash flow month over month over month over month. It's it's, uh, it's, it's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. It's There's a corporate guarantee backing it up, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not just saying it just because I'm saying, oh, it's guaranteed, like to say on, no, no, on TV. No, no, this is real. It's a, it's a real corporate guarantee, right? So, and what I mean by that is when you're doing a, it's typically, we're targeting like a freestanding, Advanced Auto Parts, i use that Mm -hmm. as an example, or Dollar General, right? It's a publicly traded company. And typically, they just lease their space. They don't actually own that space or the parking lot or anything else, right? And they lease it. And people like us, our syndicators, might actually buy it. Mm -hmm. We'll buy the building, and we lease it back to them. And and like I said, they usually put a corporate guarantee behind it. So what that means is, is that no matter what they're paying that lease. And if the company, for whatever reason, dollar general goes out of business, you get paid first before even the shareholders get paid. I mean, it's ridiculous. Right. And, but I mean, the chances of dollar general going down, even in a pandemic is, you know, slim to none. Mm -hmm. As far as I I think I just heard from a broker friend of mine, their sales are up 23% last quarter. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Right. It's crazy. So, So why the appeal? You know, it's slow and it's boring. Mm -hmm. That's why it's slow, it's boring, but it works. And for some of my investors, they want that. You know, they want to supplement their, you know, those those pops, or that, or you know, the the pops of a multifamily. But they also want to have a steady income Mm -hmm. from from a a triple net. Mm -hmm. Why not? If I can, if I can tell you, okay, man, I'll guarantee you. If you put up $100,000 in in, in uh, equity in this deal, I guarantee that you're going to make 800 bucks a month or 1,000 bucks a month, no matter what come hell or high water. 800 bucks a month is coming in in that deal. It's yeah. not a bad deal, yeah. okay? You know, you can live with that, right? It just shows up, and then it's it's secured. It's it's secured by the the corporate yeah. by the corporate guarantee. So it isn't like you're, there's any chance of losing it. Even if there's a fire, <laughs> the insurance company is going to come in and rebuild it anyway. It's you know, that's that's the appeal. It's guaranteed money. So if you're if you're an older person, for instance, and you want to have that that guaranteed money, and you're not really sure where to put it, and maybe you're sitting on five hundred thousand uh, dollars with five hundred k put into a nice triple net deal, that's more than enough to live on.
0: Yeah, no, that's you great. Know? That's great. Yeah. Do, do you go through and and. I guess, are you building relationships with the lease at this point? So you're reaching out to the do- Dollar Generals or whoever it is and building relationships there, or do you pretty well try to find the property and then you go out and approach the different people that may be interested no, in that
1: no I, I go after the brokers. There's, there's, there's okay. a whole, it's similar to multifamily. There's a whole different set of brokers that specialize in those types of assets. So I get, fortunately, I get to leverage the the notoriety of the bulletproof cashflow brand, the the experience of multifamily gets to come into play here too, and I get access to really good people to help me find the right deals. Right. So, yeah, that's that's basically how we're doing it, it right now. Yeah. It.
0: Hey, you yeah. just you just mentioned uh, bulletproof cashflow. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and who that would be best served?
1: Sure, 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 sure. So, bulletproof cash flow is is our is our um, media and education platform, and really, what it's centered around is is three things. It's centered around building the right mindset, building the right sales and marketing chops, and of course, real estate, right? And before all those three things, it's the mindset. The mindset is really where everything begins and everything ends. And, and why I'm focused so much on that. Is because if your mindset is not set up properly, if if you have, if you have hate in your heart, <laughs> mm-hmm. or if if you're not if if you have a lot of fear and disbelief in your capabilities, it's going to be very very difficult to see success in anything that you do, anything that you do. So that's why we spend quite a bit of time and effort really communicating the importance of building the right mindset and building the right the right network and the right team around you to make sure that you're set up for success. And then next, of course, is the sales and marketing aspect. And in that, that has a lot to do with the ability to get out there, go talk to brokers, go talk to sellers, go talk to investors, talk, networking, building all that up is all sales and marketing, all of it. Your social media presence, all of that stuff is all social media or social sales and marketing. So we put an emphasis on that. And then finally, of course, the real estate side. And I'm a I'm a really I'm a real big multifamily guy. I, I strongly believe in multifamily. It's, it's a highly resilient asset. Uh, and I also believe in, in having an extreme focus on what you do, right? So, I am by no means like trying to spread myself thin and doing fix and flips and doing uh, houses and doing doing multifamily and doing all these other things. I what I did was I set up because I set up. My, and we talked about this, my team years ago to handle the multifamily stuff, it's running, it's operational, it's doing great, super. Now I can focus on doing other things, you know, it's, uh, and I mentioned development and the triple net stuff, the development I already have a, a good team already waiting in the wings for us to get this deal closed and they're going to start developing it. And, and the triple net stuff, I have partners, I have friends that also work in this business as well. So right now I'm building a team up for that, and unfortunately, there isn't much to do with it. but anyway, on bulletproof cash flow, we're talking about we're talking about anything to do with real estate and, and ways to build passive income, right or things that support the building of passive income. So it could be anything from multifamily to to flipping flipping notes to um, maybe maybe your current house flipper and you want to get out of that business. We talk to people that, that have done that, but it's, it's all people that are the best at what they do. You know, So typically in the mindset side, we, we typically have published authors, TEDx speakers, TED Talk speakers, uh, New York Times bestsellers. Those are the types of people that we have on that show. And on the mindset and sales uh, folks, those are usually the best in breed, people that most most of your audience would have at least heard of or know of. And on the, the same thing with the, with the with the real estate too. I mean, not everyone has to be famous. You're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to pull out of the entrepreneur the best information they have and, and to the ability to can use it for, in your own life. You know, and that's what we're trying to. do. That's the value that we're trying to deliver to the audience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's always great to learn from people who have been there and done it and you know know what you're going through so yeah yeah um, even if it's
1: only one year ahead you know if they're only one year ahead of from you you're like oh yeah i didn't i never did that i never thought to even do the xyz That's a good idea i might do that you know that kind of thing sure no
0: it's yeah it's fantastic well augustino this is uh this is great uh if people wanted to learn more about you or uh bulletproof cash flow what would be the best way to to reach out get in touch with you You'll learn more about that kind of
1: stuff. Sure. Uh, they can reach out on, on, the, on our Facebook group, bulletproofcashflow.com or Facebook slash Bullet Facebook slash bulletproofcashflow. Let's try that again. You can also go to the website, bulletproofcashflow.com. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're, we're everywhere. So just reach out. I always love to hear from people.
0: Love it. Love it. No, this is great. I uh, certainly appreciate the time and looking forward to, to hearing how some of the triple net stuff works out for you. I, yeah, uh, it's going to be that, exciting. So, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be exciting. Excellent. We will, uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch here in the, in the future and we can have you back on the show and, and a little, learn a little bit more from you.
1: Yeah, I'd love to share. All right. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening. And remember pass the secret sauce.